Amen. Thank you very much. Thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. And a privilege to sing uh, Calvary Covers It All. I love that hymn. Uh, that's uh, one of my 500 favorite hymns. And uh, I, I really enjoy uh, singing that. And I always, one of the reasons I love preaching at Riverside Baptist Church is the music is always so good that even if I bomb, it wasn't a mistake for you to come to church. You already got something, you know, if you get no more than what you've already got, uh, you, you've gotten something. But I do hope that God will speak to our hearts some more tonight as He has uh, through the uh, song service. I want to say just briefly before we get into this, um, I do pastor a Baptist church. Um, I just felt like that needed some extra clarification. At least it was when I left, um, and if it changed today... It will be again next Sunday, and I'll be looking to hire a new assistant pastor. So uh, anyway, it, it's a blessing to be here, and I said that, I said that this morning, um, but I want to say it again because I, I cannot express enough gratitude for the hospitality and the great care that Riverside Baptist Church always takes care of me and my family when we get to be here. And uh, it, it is like home in so many respects, a lot of friends. And then, you know, over the years, some friends just become as close as family. And though you don't share the blood ties, the, uh, you just pick right up where you left off. And it's a, it's a very sweet and uh, precious thing. And, and uh, I just want to say thank you uh, once again for your great care of us. I'm going to ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 with me tonight. Hebrews chapter 11. And if you would please stand with me as we read from God's Word. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1 says... Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. From that point, in this chapter, the author goes on to start relaying stories of how people, and I cannot possibly emphasize this enough, the names in this chapter represent people just like you and I. They might be our Bible heroes from the stories and growing up in Sunday school and being in church for a while, but let me tell you that these heroes were people. They were flesh and blood. And God did amazing things through them and with them because of one simple choice that they made. And if I could just borrow a little bit that'll help us, uh, help me not have to preach uh, a lot of uh, uh, background tonight, which everyone should say amen about. Um, they chose to accept a body of truth that was presented to them and allowed it to change their thinking and their behavior such that God could work through their life. 
and he calls it here by faith. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please God, or to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God helping me tonight, I want to preach on this thought. Living in a place of peace between I'm not sure and I can't possibly know. Learning to live in a place of peace between I'm not sure and I can't possibly know. I'm going to try to develop that thought and uh, I hope it will be very practical for us tonight. Heavenly Father... Thank you for your word, and Lord, we need to hear from you tonight, and I pray that you just open up your word to our hearts and understanding, open our, our, our understanding to your word, that we would not just be people who hear your word, but do your word. And Lord, I pray that uh, tonight's message would make a difference in my heart and the hearts of others that are gathered here tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I uh, always try to take some time at the beginning of every message to make sure that we're all on the same page, so I'm going to do that now. We agree tonight that we are finite human beings, is that correct? Now, what we're admitting by agreeing to that is, we are not God. God is not us. As a matter of fact, God is not like us. Now, I understand the Bible says that we were created in His image, but being created in the image of God is a far cry from being like God. He's not like us. He's high and lifted up. He's holy. He's the awesome, amazing God of the universe. And we have value, and we have great value to God, but we are but His creations, and we are not God ourselves. Now, it's a shame that I'd even have to take time to preach that tonight, but some of you might be aware that in the Word of Faith movement and in other charismatic movements, there is this doctrinal movement to preach this message that when we trust Christ as Savior and as we live our life by faith, that we actually in Christ have become ourselves little gods, not just children of God, But God makes us little gods, and we become little gods. This would be taught by men like Benny Hinn and and people like that that would say that we actually, God's will for our life is to become a little god. Let me tell you, you'll never find that in the Word of God. There is one God, and there always has been, there always will be, and then there is that which God made. And that which He made is not Him. The creation cannot be the Creator. It's absolutely impossible. 
God is omnipresent, meaning that he's everywhere. He's not bound by space. We are not. We are bound by space. More and more all the time, I'm taking up more of it. <clears throat> but we're, we're bound by space. God is, God is uh, omnipotent, meaning that He is powerful, and not just He is powerful, but He is the all-powerful God, and we are not. God is omniscient meaning that He knows everything. And we only meet people who think they know everything. But let's be honest with ourselves. To know everything would mean that we were God. And we're not God. So we don't know everything. To claim that we can understand everything would be to claim a deity that we have no reason to claim. Therefore, as a, cre as a, a member of God's creation and, and as a finite human being, I must accept the fact that there are things that I cannot understand. There are things that I cannot comprehend. And no matter how much that frustrates me, it's still the truth. And the truth is, that idea has frustrated you at some time too, because there was something that you wanted to know that you can't know. Whether it was that you sat in a doctor's office and you heard a diagnosis and the doctor says, uh, and this is where they really show that they're practicing physicians and not the great physician, is when they say, we... There seems to be a problem here. And we think that this is what's going to happen, and we believe that this treatment is going to help you. Anybody catching my drift here? And the prognosis should be that in such and such a time, this is how it's going to play out. But we leave that office and we go about through our life not or, or with a full understanding that they don't know and we don't know how all of it's going to play out. They might be right, they might be wrong. They might know what they're talking about, they might be guessing. And don't look at me like doctors never guess. Educated guess, maybe, hopefully, but they still guess sometimes. Because this isn't popular to say in our society, but doctors aren't God either. There's only one God, and doctors aren't Him. Sometimes doctors are treated like God, but they're not. And we would like to know, I'd like to know what's really going on in here. And I would like to know how it's going to play out, and I would like to know how whatever it is is going to affect my daily life. And we can get, I'm just saying tonight, we can get frustrated with the things that are impossible for us to know. Did you know you've wanted at times to know the future, but you can't know the future? I'm trying to save you some money from palm readers and charlatans and stuff like that, 
Because you cannot know the future, and even if you could, you couldn't comprehend the future. There are things about God that I can't pretend to comprehend because for me to be able to comprehend them, I would have to be God and I'm not. So we can at least admit, hopefully tonight, that at times there can be a frustration in our life with things that are incomprehensible that we have to face. How about this? When we lose someone very close to us, and maybe at what seems like a very out of place and inappropriate season of life, and our heart is hurting, and we are in full grief, how many of us in those times have tried to, watch this, make sense of it? And think that what, we, what would really help in our grief is if we could understand, if we could comprehend why God allowed this to happen. Why did this take place? Why is this situation befalling me? I'm just saying there are things that because we are finite human beings, we cannot comprehend. And no amount of intellect or education is ever going to open that door to the kind of understanding that we want sometimes. The kind of comprehension that we want. So realizing the frustrating uh, or the frustration of the incomprehensible, if you could, in your imagination, I'd imagine a, a giant pendulum up here on the platform and Pendulums swing, swing out to extremes. And, and on this extreme, we're going to say that this is the incomprehensible that can be so frustrating to us at times. And so what happens with a lot of people is they allow that pendulum to swing all the way over to the other extreme. And on the other extreme is what is, is called doubt and skepticism. And that is that if I cannot comprehend what's going on in my life, then can I know anything at all? Can I have any certainty whatsoever? Can I, can I be sure of anything? And so doubt and skepticism and questioning is over here. And let me just tell you, I've spent a season in my life living in spiritual doubt, and I'll tell you, it's one of the worst places I was ever at in my entire life. I hate doubt. I, I hate that uncertainty. I, I, I hate not being able to have uh, any kind of emotional grip over things in my life. And, and so uh, there's a lot of people that believe that Look, the answer is being intellectual enough to understand, but we're not that intellectual. We can't understand a lot of things that go on in life. 
And so the pendulum swings and now we're going to be so emotional to, to fall into doubt and dismay and despair and depression and find ourselves in a place where we say, look, I just can't trust anything. I can't know anything. I can't be certain of anything. And I'm just going to tell you, that's a horrible place to live and that's a horrible place to live. But thank God there is a place of peace between those two. And that's where God wants us to live. As a matter of fact, multiple times in Scripture, God said it this way. The just, that's those that have been justified by the grace of God, the just shall live by faith. By faith. Faith is an interesting concept when studied scripturally. This place that I'm talking about, this place of faith, we talked about it this morning, this place of believing, this place of trusting, these are ideas that are implicit in faith, believing, trusting, accepting the statements and promises that God has given us in His Word. And what's amazing about it is that in this place of faith, it's not like this is some made-up fairy tale world that I just live in in order to cope with all of the uncertainties of life. I'm telling you it's a place of peace because it is the place with the firmest foundation you could possibly stand on. It's a wonderful thing, this place of faith. This place of trusting the Lord. The just shall live by faith. Well, what is it? Well, our text tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, anything that is hoped for is not yet realized. Anything that's hoped for is expected, but it's not materialized yet. It's not seen. It's not handled yet. It's not understood. It's not comprehended yet because it's still hoped for. But faith is the substance of things that are not yet comprehended, not yet understood. It's also the evidence of things that are not seen. Now, evidence, what evidence does is evidence provides surety to the truth of what's actually going on. So in reality, what the author of Hebrews does here is he says, for things that have not yet been comprehended, this place of faith, this faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. And a person who's living by faith in the promises of the Word of God can be certain so as not to be living in doubt and confusion and questioning and skepticism, but at the same time, Faith does not require having the understanding and comprehension and answers to everything that's going on in our life. It's a place of peace right between. And it's wonderful. I'm telling you, it's a heaven-sent great place to live. And saints have lived there for ages. And God meets them there at that place of faith. 
Faith is what enables a person to get a bad diagnosis at the doctor and say, I, uh, I'm not, I can't possibly know how this is going to turn out. But I'm not uncertain that it's going to work out for God's glory and in my favor. Now look, that is not natural to mankind. Let's be honest tonight, that's not where most people live. When most people face things that they cannot understand, they don't, they don't settle in a place of faith and quiet trust of, of whatever's gonna, uh, that, that whatever's going to happen is going to work out. Uh, we tend to go, hey, I'm just going to research this and I'm going to find out and I'm going to know everything about it. And the more I know about it, the more I comprehend what's going on the more peace I'm going to have. So here's what I'm going to do. I already talked to my doctor, and I'm just using this as an example, but I've already talked to my doctor, and he said I had something that the name of it's this long. And he gave me a paper with it written down. So I'm just going to check that up with Dr. Google. Don't look at me like you've never done it. And I'm just going to tell you that Dr. Google has got to be, unlicensed by the way, Dr. Google has got to be one of the most sadistic doctors on the planet. Because whatever you type in, Dr. Google is going to give you the worst prognosis imaginable. Tip of my index finger is sore. Type that into Google. And Dr. Google will tell you the five different kinds of terminal cancer <laughs> that might cause pain in the tip of your index finger. And some of you are laughing because you know it's true. And you know it's true because you made an appointment with Dr. Google. And I'm going to tell you, the more you try to satisfy your intellect about what you can't possibly know, you might find out that there's no end of the depth of that rabbit hole. And the more you try to find out, the worse off you are. And the more frustrated you become. And the harder life is, on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis, with the more knowledge that you have, and, and you say, okay, well, I, all right, all right. I don't want to know that. And then we're over here going, no, I'm not going to church today. Well, what's wrong? Well, I just, I'm not sure of anything anymore. I'm not certain of anything. I don't know if we can be certain of anything. I mean, I, I, I agree. I cannot comprehend all the things that I'm trying to find out, but I mean, what, what can we be certain of? And I'm telling you, the devil wants to keep you pinned against one extreme or the other. But God wants you to say, I don't have to know 
I don't have to comprehend what all's going to happen to me in the moments and days ahead. But I know this. I am certain of this. I am not in doubt about this. That we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. If I could just, if I could just find out all the reasons why I lost that job and, and, and why these things have befallen me so undeservedly, then maybe I could have some peace about it. But listen, I'm just telling you, the way life works, sometimes we're never going to know all the details. And if we give ourselves wholly to the search for details, just trying to compre- comprehend the intricacies of our life, that can never be found out, we're going to be very frustrated people. Frustrated people are not fun to be around. Frustrated people do not live lives of peace. Frustrated people do not have joy unspeakable and full of glory. So we might need to just let God be God. And the fact that He knows be enough. And say, I don't have to know all the details But I'm not uncertain that God's in control. I'm going to choose to live right here. All right. I'm going to choose to live right here in this place. Am I doing that? Okay. I love it when this stuff happens. (laughs) I'm just telling you, the devil wouldn't mess with stuff like that if we weren't right where we needed to be. Oh, I love that. That's so exciting to me. So here's the thing. I can't go through all possible scenarios of life. Um, We read Hebrews chapter 11, and what we find is men who were faced with things they couldn't possibly understand. But they weren't uncertain whether or not God was in it or not, and whether or not they could trust Him. So they didn't go about life in doubt and skepticism and questioning, nor did they require to understand everything in order to act. So they just settled right in the middle and said, God, I'm going to trust You. I'm going to live by faith. And it worked. Now, I do need to tell you that a faith that doesn't have a firm foundation is not a very good faith. So we, it's not just believing, it's not just trusting, it really does matter what we're believing and what we're trusting. Or more importantly, who we're trusting in. That's why one of my 500 favorite hymns is this, how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent Word. What more can He say than to you He hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled?
See, it's this exciting thing that the more time I spend in His Word, the more of His statements and promises I'm aware of, so when the circumstances of life come along, I don't have to know and comprehend everything that's going on, but I also don't have to live in uncertainty and doubt and confusion. I can stand on the Word of God and say, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. God's going to take care of the rest. And it's awesome. And it works. I promise you it works. He he took the whole chapter, chapter 11, to just tell these Jewish people, it works. Living by faith really works. Believing that God is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. No, it really works. God can do some incredible things in the life of those who will just trust and obey. It's almost like there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. By the way, that's one of my 500 favorite hymns. If I could show you this, we sing about this all the time. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, relying in His great love. From all harm safe in His sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. When we sing that, do we really mean that? I mean, are we looking to His Word each and every day saying, God, i got to know where to stand when the circumstances of life come. Lord, I, I, I can't pretend that I'm God and go out seeking to comprehend everything to give me assurance. I'm never going to find assurance there because there are things that cannot be understood. And so the only way I'm going to really be able to understand what's really going on is to know what you said and just stand right there. <laughs> Here's an example he gave in verse 3. Absolutely love this. Here's what he said. He said, uh, well, let me read it so I don't misquote it. He says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. (laughs) I love how this verse illustrates exactly what I'm talking about because there's a lot of people that say we can't actually be certain how all of this came about. But I'm really certain. As a matter of fact, I can even say I understand how it all came about. But, but did you read what he said? He said, so that things that are were not made of things which do appear. What that means is, everything that is came from nothing. Now try to wrap your brain around that. Get this in your mind. There was nothing. You already failed. You know how I know that? Because in our limited, finite understanding, we cannot comprehend Nothing. In our experience, we've always known something. 
We cannot comprehend, the, the greatest mind on earth cannot comprehend nothing. You say, well, it's just, it's just black void. Hang on just a second, black void is something. We cannot comprehend nothing. But preacher, you said you understood. I understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. And I am certain of it. So I'm not over here in doubt about that tonight. And I'm not also comprehending it because I can't. So I'm standing right here in the middle and it's a great place to be. Come join me. I'm standing on the fact that God's Word said He spoke and it happened. And so that's the way it is. Somebody says, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Okay, well, what do you believe? Well, see, there was this primordial soup. And then it uh, received energy from outer space, and then something crawled up out of it onto land, found something just like it to marry. They had children, and... Yeah, my theory's dumb. <laughs> By the way, I didn't even call mine a theory. And they don't call theirs a theory anymore. Evolution is now taught in schools as a fact. Can't say it's a theory anymore. Even though the Big Bang violates natural laws of inertia, thermodynamics, so on and so forth. Uh, all of that is overlooked to tell me that I'm trusting in mythology as the truth. No, <clears throat> I'm living by faith. Which is not just groping in the darkness, believing whatever sounds good. It's founded upon if God said it, I believe it to be true. And it's a great place to live. It's a, it's a great place to be. See, uh, Abel would not have known what kind of sacrifice to offer if God hadn't told Adam and Eve what kind of sacrifice was demanded. So Abel chose to operate on the Word of God. By faith, he operated. And God accepted his sacrifice. Yeah, it worked out real well for him, preacher. He died. Hang on just a second. We do know that this life's not the end, right? I mean, there's more after this part's done. And the part that's coming for the believer is better than the part that's now. Well, preacher, but how do you know that? What do you think I'm preaching on? By faith. Because he says so. He says it gets better. Well, I know, but I don't want to die. Now, I don't want to either. But since I trusted Christ as my Savior, it's not the worst thing in the world. Death hath no more sting to the believer. There's just victory in death. Death is not this great unknown anymore. Death is now just this doorway into the presence of God. Sounds pretty good to me. And while I'm not asking for it or hastening it on, if God so chooses to take me home, 
Home is where I'll be. And this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. It's another one of my 500 favorites. I'm telling you, get out of the doubt and the skepticism and the constant questioning. Step back from the intellectual pursuit of how much you know about life and how smart you can be in this world and put all your focus and all your energy on knowing what God says and standing right there. He said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want to live by faith, you've got to be a person of the book. If you want to live by what God says, you've got to know what God says. Well, this kind of sounds like one of those messages that comes back to something like, read your Bible every day. And it does. That's where they all come back to. Spend time in prayer with God. Read your Bible every day. I don't know, because it, it, be, it would just be hard to accept something that I can't understand. Oh, hear me carefully. You already do it every day. And if you willfully choose to make God's Word the information that's coming into your life more than any of the other voices that are going around you, it's not hard to stand there. It's not hard to say, you know what? I stood on that book today and it worked. And then tomorrow you look back and you say, well, I didn't know I was going to be facing a circumstance like this, but I know this. I stood on God's Word yesterday and it worked. I'm going to go ahead and stand on God's Word today too. And then tomorrow, when it gets a little bit tougher, and it might... It might. Well, I've stood on God's Word for two days and it worked both times. I'm just going to go ahead and stand on it a third day and a fourth and a fifth. And that's how the just live by faith. Day by day. Standing on the promises of God. Which is also one of my 500 favorite hymns. Dear Lord, thank You for not leaving us without a revelation from Yourself that would help us, that would guide us, that would give us exactly what we need as we journey day by day through this life. God, I pray tonight that You would speak to the hearts of Your people that are gathered here and that, Lord, You would stir up in us a love and a desire for Your Word like we haven't had before. God, I pray that we wouldn't wait for the storms to come before we shore up the house and know exactly where our foundation is. Lord, help us not to wait till we're in the middle of the crisis to try to find out how we should respond and what we should do.
But Lord, help us to be students of Your Word every day so that we might be people of faith that You want us to be. God, would You just stir us up tonight. Lord, um, help us. We need You. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would, please. Some have already responded. Altars are open. Plenty of places here to kneel and meet with the Lord. If you can't kneel, there's places to sit right down front here and just talk to God. Let's ask God tonight for a hunger and a passion for His Word. Christian, are you tired of living in uncertainty? God doesn't want you to live in uncertainty. He wants you to live in faith. He wants to answer the uncertainties of life with His promises. And He wants you to lean right there, to stand right there. Christian, are you frustrated by what you can't comprehend? Would you let that go tonight? And let the incomprehensible God take care of everything that you cannot understand. Would you be willing to just give that over to Him tonight and say, God, I'm not going to concern myself with this anymore. I'm not going to concern myself with the whys or the why nots. But I'm just going to trust You, Lord. I'm going to trust You. I want to live by faith.